All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome. Glad that you are here today. As you're finding your seats, go ahead and find your growth guide. Make sure you have a pen. And if you haven't already, I'll remind you to check in. In your growth guide, you'll find a check-in card. If you're watching online or if you're here, you can use our app. You can text. Uh, however way you do that, let us know you're here and how we can be praying for you this week. We are in a series that we're really just getting started on, on the Sermon on the Mount. And today is called Salt and Light. This is one of Jesus' most famous teachings and a most famous passage within his most famous teaching. We're going to be discovering our purpose and how it, our purpose, is fulfilled. And here's the question that we're really going to be answering today, and that is, what is the point of us? And how do we make that point? What is the point of us and how do we make that point? Oh, we're talking about purpose. We're talking about what God intends for us. And Jesus, as he is laying out this uh, manifesto for the kingdom that he is the king of and laying out what this is going to look like, he's saying, here's what I have in mind for you. Now, we started by talking about how a big part of, uh, I think, understanding the Sermon on the Mount is recognizing that Jesus is making the case for everyone's needing a savior, right? Because he starts and you said, don't, don't, you've heard it said, don't commit murder. But I say to you, if you are angry with your brother, you're in danger of the fires of hell. What's he doing? He's saying, you thought that you were clearing the bar, right? I'm not an ax murderer. But then he goes on and says, but wait, wait, it's not just about the externals. It's about what's going on in your heart as well. And what he's doing is saying, you thought you were innocent. I'm moving you into the category of guilty. Well, why does he do that? He's doing that because he's showing us that we all need a savior, right? And then uh, in the introduction, in the Beatitudes, that's what we call the blessed R's. He's laying out, these are the values of the kingdom. These are the people who are included in the kingdom. And you might think that they are the distressed but they're actually the blessed. I've included them in the kingdom. And these are the values. These are the people that we value. These are the ways that we value things. And then he says, um, so when you do this, when you uh, recognize me as king, when you recognize that, that it's not just external performance, it's what's going on in your heart, then we're talking about who you are and that makes a difference in what goes on in your world. And so that's what he's painting the picture of. He's like, look, if you're going to be my followers, this is what it looks like. And this is what I have in mind. This is what I hope for you. If you live out the Beatitudes, if you value the things that I value, then this is what it's going to look like. And this is how it's going to change the world. And ultimately, what we're talking about today is our character. It's our character that Jesus is focusing in on in this passage. And what we're going to say is that who we are, the, 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 our character, who we are, determines the impact that we have. And I'll go through the main points. Again, don't try to write these down. We'll be coming back to these. But we'll say that our purpose 
is to impact. It's to have an impact. And the character of our influence, the impact that we have, is based on our character. Your character determines the impact that you will have. And that impact, that influence, is pervasive and beneficial. And lastly, it's God that gets the credit for that benefit. And then at the end, I always try to give you something very practical that you can do to apply what we've talked about, to make your life better and make you better at life. And what I'm going to suggest today is that you set aside some time and prayerfully review your character in light of the Beatitudes. And I'll explain what I mean. It just is going through the Beatitudes and saying, Lord, how does my character measure up to that? So let's look at this famous passage together. It's Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 16. Just a couple of verses, but again, a very famous, very well-known passage. Uh, Even if you aren't a Bible person, you've probably at least heard of these concepts before. Uh, This is what it says in the New Living Translation. It says, you are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand. It gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we come to your word in this very familiar passage for many of us, I pray that you would give us fresh insight, that you would speak to us wherever and whatever is going on in our lives and show us how this applies to us. Lord, we want to be what you have said we are, salt and light. Help us to understand what that means, to apply it, to embrace it. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let's work through it together uh, and see what kind of fresh insights we can have in this. So what Jesus is saying is that who we are, our character, determines the impact that we will have. And he starts out by just making it very clear that our purpose is to have an impact. It's not just something that happens between me and the Lord, that that change that he works in us, that impact that he has in our lives is supposed to spread out from us. We are supposed to make a difference in our world. He starts out by saying, you are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. Now, uh, I think in my study, if I remember correctly, there were no less than about 13 different uses of salt that people thought this might be applying to or might have applied throughout. Now, uh, when you think of salt, you think of table salt. And what do you do? You put salt on food in order to enhance, in order to bring out the flavor. 
And that is part of the idea. In our world, we don't use it as much, but another primary use of salt in their world would have been for preservation, right? There was no refrigeration to speak of. So if you wanted to preserve food, you would put salt on it. So, but, but I think the main thing that I want you to see here is that it's number one, talking about what they are. It starts out by saying, you are, not you should be, not I would like you to be, not this is what I want you to aim for. He's making a statement of fact about his followers. He's saying, if you are my followers, if you are a part of that beatitude crowd, if you have been called into God's family, if you're following Jesus, if you're a citizen in this new kingdom with this new king, then this is who you are. Uh, it, it changes you on the inside. And, and that change, that difference, that who you are on the inside, your character is something that happens because you belong to me. And because you belong to me and because I have changed you, I've made you into something that you were not. Remember his invitation to, to the disciples? I will make you to become, remember I liked that really literal hard translation, I will make you to become fishers of men. What's he saying? You used to be this kind of fisher, I'm gonna make you something that you weren't before. I will make you to become fishers of men. What's he saying here? You, I've made you the salt of the earth. Now, what is the good of salt? It's that whether you want to argue about whether it's the taste or the, or the uh, pres- preserving characteristic, it's that it does something. It has a positive impact on whatever it touches. And so he goes on, and I think that this pulls out that, Im- that impact focus that Jesus has. He says, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? In other words, if salt isn't salty, what good is it? it it's not going to, if, it, if the character of salt is not salty, then it's not going to do us any good. Salt has to be salty. And then he goes, uh, and, and you might be wondering, well, how does salt lose its flavor? I mean, you've never, you've never had salt go bad on your table, right? You, you go sprinkle it on there, and you're like, oh, it's not salty anymore. No, that's not the way, that's not the way salt works. Um, but in their day, when they would collect salt right from the Dead Sea or from rock outcroppings, it wasn't pure salt. It would be mixed with other things. So if you stored it in a place that wasn't very good, a little humid or something like that, the salt, the actual salt could leach out and it would look very similar. But when you would go to grab the salt and you would taste it or you would put it on your food, it wouldn't do what it was supposed to do because the salt had lost its saltiness. And once that happens, you can't make it go back. You can't fix it. It's, it's, it's no good. And so what do you do with, with salt that's not salty? It doesn't fulfill its purpose. You toss it out. It's no good. And that's what he says. What good is salt if it's lost its flavor? It's no good. It's not useful. Now, I'll throw this in as well, because remember I said there were 13 different, uh, at least 13 different uses of salt. This was one that I had not heard of, but it was brought up in the Bible Project uh, devotional that I've been encouraging you to read. So, and I had never heard this before, so I had to look it up. It was talking about how salt was a symbol of God's covenant. And you can see this in Leviticus chapter two. It says, season all your grain offerings with salt 
to remind you of God's eternal covenant. So I just wanted to explain this since it was mentioned in the thing that I've been telling you to read. It's the, it's the preserving character of salt that is being brought out here. He's saying, when you come into a covenant with God, it's an eternal covenant. It lasts forever. And salt is a symbol of that. When you put salt on your meat, it never goes bad. It, it stays good forever for all practical purposes, right? Now we know, don't get too literal on me. I know forever is not forever when it comes to meat, but, but that's the idea. If you put salt, if you don't put salt on it, it goes bad. But if you put salt on it, it just lasts forever. It, it, it preserves it. And so it was a reminder of the faithfulness of God. That was a new one on me. I liked that. So I thought I would share it with you. And so he goes on to say, and we've already kind of touched on this, can you make it salty again? Obviously not. There's, there's no way to, to, to put the salt back in the salt that they had gathered. It's useless. It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. So he's saying, look, the, the, I have a purpose for you, and, but, it, but if you weren't fulfilling that purpose, then, then what's the point? I, I, I've changed you. I've made you something, made you to become something so that you can have that impact. I like the message translation. It kind of brings this out. It says, let me tell you why you're here, right? <laughs> let me just tell you why you're here. Why uh, Jesus is saying, you're here to be salt seasoning. I think that the main idea is this idea of adding flavor because that's what he talks about. He's talking about salt having a taste, losing its taste. And if it loses its taste, then it's worthless. And I think that this brings this out really well. You're to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. In other words, if you're following me and I have done a transformative work in you and you are living out the life of Christ in the world, there's just something good and beneficial and pleasing and tasteful and attractive about that. And Jesus is saying, that's, that's you. That's, that's what it's like to be a follower of Jesus. You're, you're, you're the salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. So who, you, who we are determines the impact we will have. Our purpose is to impact. If, 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 you don't have, if you're salt, but you're not salty, then it's worthless. What's the point of you? But if you are salty as I have made you to be, then, and some of you are a little too salty, but, uh, but, but then that's, that's the purpose. That's, what, that's what's supposed to happen. That's what's supposed to happen. Now, look at what he goes on to say. Secondly, the character of our influence is based on our character. Now, you have to think about this. It's a little bit, the, the wording is kind of weird at first, but, but it's, really, it's really a good idea. The character of our influence. What's the nature of our impact? It's based on our character. It, it's based on who we are. Uh, when he, he goes on to talk about the light of the world, he says basically the same thing he said about salt. He said, you are. Remember how I highlighted that when I said you are the salt? You are the light of the world. This is your nature. Uh, and the message translation pulls this out as well. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors of the world. Just like you're salt to bring out the God flavors of this world, you are light to bring out the God, 
the God colors of this world. In other words, when people look at you as a follower of Jesus with the values that you have, the way that you manage your life, the way that you treat others, the way that you think about things, the way that you deal with others, they, they should be saying, wow, I don't, I don't necessarily believe what they believe. I'm not so sure about all these things, but, but that's the kind of life that I want. That's how I want to be treated. If I was going to get a boss, that's the kind of boss that I would want. If I was going to be in a family, that's the kind of family. If I was going to be in a community, that's the kind of community that I would be a part of. It's supposed to paint a picture of what heaven is like. And we talk about all the time how uh, uh, you know, heaven is not just something that happens to you after you die. When you're a follower of Jesus, the kingdom of God is a little bit of heaven being brought back into the here and now. When people come into a church, is this your idea of church? It's like a little taste, a little foretaste of heaven. Why not? Because that's what it's supposed to be. That's what it's supposed to be. And in order, and this is the good news, and this is the really the thing I want to emphasize in here is that um, the good news about this is that it's not something you have to, to work up. It's not something you have to earn. In fact, it is none, none, not even possible for you to do this. The only way to live the God life, we talked about it as we were celebrating communion, is for God to put his life in you. The character of, of, of your influence is the influence of your character. It's what God has done in and through you. And because you are salt, and because you are light, you salt the world, and you bring light into the darkness. Let me point out a couple of quotes that I put in your growth guide that I thought were really good. It, it meets needs. You see that at the bottom of that first page, one of the, one of the preachers that from 100 years ago that I was reading on this passage, salt is needed where there is corruption. Light is needed where there is darkness. We talk all the times about meeting needs, see a need and, fill it, and, and meet it. It's uh, that same kind of thing. There is corruption. We are there to prevent it. There is darkness. We are the light that dispels it. And it's also an important thing for us to remember that if we're going to fulfill our purpose, then we have to engage with the world. There are certain traditions that emphasize separating and being not having anything to do with the world. And it's hard to square that approach with Jesus' words here. Uh, the commentator Michael Green says, both images have something important to say about Christian involvement in society. They militate against all forms of separation and withdrawal. And then, but, but this is the one that I, I really wanted to read to you. This is, again, uh, G, G. Campbell Morgan, a famous preacher from 100 years ago. In his sermon on this passage, he says this, and this is emphasizing that character aspect. We shall never exercise the influence of salt or the influence of light in our family, in our church, or in our city or nation, unless we are right ourselves. And that's the gift, the promise that Jesus has made. One of the most damnable heresies that has ever been foisted upon the thinking of any age is that a man may be pure in public influence if impure in private life. He cannot be. 
What we are determines the character of our influence in the world, whether we will or no. Thus, the character of, our, of the influence to be exerted by those who are in the kingdom is the influence of character. Who you are matters. And the good news is that Jesus has made us into something new. And so that's why I always encourage at some point in the message, if you have never, you crossed that line of faith, if you thought it was all about you performing and you measuring up, you now recognize that's nothing, you can't do it. It has to be received as a gift. You have to be made into something that you are not. And that's what happens when you say yes to Jesus, receive his forgiveness, receive him as Lord. Let him write a new ending to your story and he puts his power, his desires, his life in you. And it changes who you are. You are salt. You are light. He changes you from the inside out. And that's important because who we are, our character, who we are on the inside determines the impact we will have. Salt salts things. Light dispels the darkness. That's how this works. Our purpose is to have an impact. He wants us to make a difference in our world. The character of our influence is based on our character. Who you are determines the influence you will have. And that influence for a believer, for a follower of Jesus who is salt and light is pervasive and beneficial. It's pervasive and beneficial. Let's look at what he says about there being a light in the world. He goes on to describe it like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Here you have that pervasive public obvious impact, right? If there is a city on a hill, you cannot hide it. It lights up the night. It, it, it is not possible. It's pervasive. Everywhere you, within, the, within sight of it, no matter where you are, you see that light. You see it on the hill. And he's saying in the same way, that's, that's how it's supposed to be. When you come together as believers, you are supposed to show the world a little bit, a little foretaste of the kingdom of God, a little bit of heaven in the here and now, because that's who you are. So when, you sh- when you're together, when you're doing things Jesus' way, the light just kind of shines out from you, and it's obvious. People notice, and people see it. Now, another thing that the Bible Project uh, uh, devotional brought out was this idea that it's talking about and maybe suggesting and, and alluding to the, the kingdom of God as foretold in the Old Testament prophets. Now, I think, I think it's talking about it being beneficial. I think it's talking about it being pervasive. But, you know, they're just like salt has 13 different applications. I think this has multiple different applications as well. And here's what they're talking about. In the book of Isaiah, Isaiah is prophesying about the future coming kingdom of God. And this is what he says, in the last days. Now, remember, the last days, biblically defined, are the time between when Jesus uh, was uh, resurrected and ascended into heaven and when he comes back and establishes his kingdom in its fullness. So it's anytime in that in-between time. The mountain of the Lord's house, what's he talking about there? 
in the city video. It said Jerusalem was built on a mountain and then the temple was built on that, uh, the temple mount. You've heard of that before. He's saying this mountain of Jerusalem where the temple is, where the Lord's house is, will be the highest of all. It'll be lifted up so that it's above all the other mountains, all the other cities, and the, more, the most important place on earth. Now, this is prophecy. It is poetry. It's not necessarily taken literally, okay? But what is it saying? What is it teaching? Is it saying that there's going to be an earthquake and then this, uh, the, the Temple Mount is going to be taller than Mount Everest? No, I don't think that's what it's saying, right? But what is it saying? Th- that the Lord's house, his kingdom, his place of worship is going to be elevated above all the other places, It'll be raised above all the hills. The people from all over the world will stream there to worship. What's he saying? That, you know, this place that used to be the seat of a kingdom of a particular people will become a place that people from all over the world stream to. They will come to the Lord. So, that's uh, in the Bible project. They see this as an allusion to that. The city on the hill, it's like, wow, we, where have we heard of a city on the hill before? Oh yeah, in, in God's coming kingdom, the city of Jerusalem, the seat of God's presence is going to be that place that is, uh, that is a beacon to the world. So kind of a cool idea. And, and then a little bit later in the next uh, couple of verses, it ties in again, come descendants of, this is Isaiah 2.5, come descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Walk in the light of the Lord. I just thought that was interesting. So what is, what is, what is Jesus saying? He's saying part of your character is your light. There's darkness in the world. You get together and there's light. He goes on and uses this illustration as well. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. So he's got two pictures. One is the city that is lit up on a hill, impossible to miss, spreading its light, acting like a beacon to the entire world. And then he brings it into a household. And he says, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. This, this is things that don't happen. Salt that it's lost its saltiness, becoming salty again. Cities on a hill that can be hidden, and you don't light a lamp and you put it under a basket. Instead, what do you do? A lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. It's that idea of purpose again. You know, you don't you don't light a light and then then mute its purpose. You know, do something that this that destroys its purpose. Uh, instead, you put it on a stand. You want to spread it. You want to maximize its impact. You want to dispel as much darkness as possible. And I liked this. This was another uh, insight from G. Campbell Morgan. He, he said, look, think of a city. That's us corporately. You know, when we get together, the way we do things, the way we handle things, the way we treat one another, that should be a beacon to the world. But you can be a beacon even in your household. You might be the only one that has light. But even in that dark house, 
You put yourself on a stand. You spread the light. You do the right thing. You live out the life of Christ. You embrace his values and you treat others well and you do things the way he does things. See what happens. I like that. We can have a corporate impact and we should and we can have an individual impact in our little worlds wherever we are. So who we are determines our, the impact that we have. Our purpose is to have an impact and the character of our influence is based on our character, who we are, matters. And that influence is pervasive and beneficial. It spreads everywhere we go, and it does good to, everywhere, to everyone where we are. And then lastly, God gets the credit for the benefit. God gets the credit for the benefit. The last verse in this passage, Jesus says, in the same way. In the same way as what? In the same way that a, that a city cannot be hidden, that a lamp is placed on a lamp stand, you let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that, indicating purpose, everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Now, a little bit later, Jesus will talk about doing religious stuff in order to be seen by others, in order to get their praise and their applause, and he condemns that. This is different than that, based on who gets the glory. Who gets the credit? Who gets the praises? If you're doing stuff in order to get praises to yourself and make people think highly of you, that's condemned. But what he's saying is when you are living out your life, when you are giving credit to Jesus, when you're living Jesus' way and embracing Jesus' values, what's going to happen? People are going to see Jesus in that. And he will get the credit. He will get the glory. And that's the idea behind it. In the same way, we let our good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. You want to know if you're fulfilling your purpose? Who is getting the credit for those good things? When you give credit to him, you're fulfilling your purpose. When people see how we treat one another, how we arrange ourselves within the body of Christ, the way we do life, it points to Jesus. It points to his heavenly father and he gets the credit and the praise. And that's in part the whole purpose of what we're doing. Uh, just by living out his life, we by our lives draw attention to and give praise and credit to our heavenly father. What have we been talking about? We've been talking about character. We said who we are determines the impact that we have. Our purpose is to have an impact. The character of our influence is based on our character. Our influence is pervasive and beneficial, and God gets the credit for the benefit that he does through us. So here's what I would suggest. Here's a, here's a way that you can practically apply that. We focused in on this idea of character, and when we went through the Beatitudes, those statements about blessing, we were saying this is this is this is this is what God is valuing. This is the uh, people that are on the margins that we would think were on the outside. He actually values them. He's included them. There are things about them that are not valued by the world but yet in God's sight, they are precious. And so you could just go through and you could just prayerfully say, okay, 
Let's look at it together. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. So you can ask, Lord, uh, in, what, in what sense have I been self-sufficient instead of recognizing my need for you? In what ways have I been proud instead of poor in spirit? Are there people that are, you know, they're poor in spirit. They're, they're down. They're, 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 they're not encouraging necessarily. They're, they're sorrowful. Have I been giving them the short end of the stick and kind of avoiding not giving my attention to them. You, you've said that these are the kind of people that you include in your kingdom. You give the kingdom of heaven to them. God blesses those who mourn. I sometimes pray, Lord, I want to be laughing at the things that you laugh at and crying at the things that you cry at. Are, is there something that I should be mourning over? Is there something that I'm ignoring because I don't want to feel sad or people that I don't want to hang around with because I feel like they're going to drag me down? Help me to value those people. Help me to uh, be sorrowful for the things that should make my heart sorrowful, that make your heart sorrowful. You know, just go through and you keep on going and saying, Lord, I want to align my heart with yours. You want to conform me to the image of Christ. You've given me a picture in this of uh, a part, at least, of what that looks like. Make me effective, light, tasteful salt in our world. And see what God says to you and see how he speaks to you and see the difference that he makes as he works his will in and through you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you are so good and kind and we are so thankful for it. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to fulfill our purpose, that we might be salt and light. I thank you that you have said that it is so. I pray, Lord, that it would be true in our experience and in our behavior and in our character. Convict us where we need to be convicted. There are things I know that I have and I imagine my friends, my brothers and sisters in Christ have kind of shunted off to the side sometimes. I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to see that in me or see that thing that you're trying to point out. I pray, Lord, that you would give us open hearts, willing hearts, ears to hear what you want to say to us. I pray, Lord, that because you are who you are and you have made us into what you have made us into, that you, our Heavenly Father, our Father in Heaven, will receive glory, credit, the honor that is due you because of, and what, uh, because of what you do in and through us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.